This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. It's Tuesday, the 20th of January. It's blooming freezing out there. It really is. But, I mean, it's all right if you're, if you're tucked up in bed and nice and warm. I do apologise to my Twitter fans. Somebody tweeted on my account this morning that uh, Anna died, and they put her down as Anne Kirkbridge. I've corrected it, and I've admonished them suitably. In fact, you knew I didn't have not done it. It was 10 o'clock at night. I was fast asleep in bed. So, uh, Anne has died at the age of 60. It was a bit quick, even by anybody's standards. She was a huge smoker, I believe. Always remember, it means I can't do my impression. Gun, gun. It was Save Deirdre. Oh, 40-plus years in the soap. She did well. She really did. James Blunt has gone to town on Labour's Chris Bryant. Oh, I love a good spat. The Melon Sue's chat show. Please, God, somebody put it out of its misery. A show with two presenters who quite clearly both think they're very funny and are both battling for space. It is dreary in the extreme. Somebody obviously saw them on the Great British Bake Off and assumed it was them that had made the programme successful. You've only got to watch Mel and Sue's programme to realise that they used to have a show years and years ago and it was so dire it was axed. And then they brought half of it back. I think Mel Gidroich came back with, I think, Richard Hammond. And again, she's just not funny. Not funny. So, dear God, put it out of its misery and dump it from the television immediately. It's rubbish. Absolute rubbish. The F word on Jeremy Kyle. Apparently Ofcom say it's OK. Which reminds me of the story of Stephen Daldry. Because if you go and see Billy Elliot, uh, you get lots of little children in there swearing using the F word quite, quite liberally. And I said to him during the interview for In Conversation, I said, um, how did you explain away to the kids using the F word and then not using afterwards? He said they knew exactly what it was. He said they were well ahead of us on it. I said, yes, yeah, so you're probably not wrong on that one. Uh, brace yourselves. The Nolans. The musical. God, I mean, I mean to, to be honest, if you were borderline suicidal, you might, this might push you over the edge on this one. This is based on one of the Nolan's books. This is Anne, the one who was abused by uh, Mr Nolan, the father, sexually abused over a number of years. Uh, they all fell out. In fact, I'm not totally convinced they're still speaking to each other now. It's, uh, it's one of those sort of great family stories where nobody likes each other. They, they were put out to work. And um, and now nobody says anything to each other. I mean, I don't, I don't, I, I never quite understand it. I don't understand how families fall out at all. Uh, Anthony Cotton, I've got a lovely little story about Anthony Cotton. Uh, the wives' public execution exposed in an online video from Mecca. They're quite clearly some sort of perverse country, aren't they, over in Saudi, where a woman is accused of something. There's been no no trial, incidentally. They don't have trials. Uh, they just go uh, guilty. Generally, a lot of men with sort of long white beards issuing this thing called Sharia law. And uh, people go, oh, well, that's OK. If, if you've said she's guilty, quite clearly she's guilty. So they drag her out at Mecca into the execution place. And she's protesting her innocence. And she says, I did not do it. I did not kill. I do not forgive you. And quite rightly so, these murdering people out there then proceed with two two hacks to chop her head off. They hold her down on the ground and chop her head off. I mean, you can't quite understand the mentality. These people, of course, are going straight to hell. I, well, I can understand it if there'd been a show trial, you know, or any sort of trial, but there was nothing at all. Uh, coming up very shortly, the television awards. I think you have to pay for it. I think it's one of those paid things. You buy a ticket for it. I've got no idea why. Why you'd want to watch a 
what to watch a bunch of third-rate old has-beens up on the screen. I don't know, but we will watch it, I suppose. Uh, nobody from TOWIE's been nominated, and nobody from uh, Made in Chelsea. But, I mean, why would they? Just a bunch of pot, posh totty jumping in and out of bed with people. Over in TOWIE, it's a lot of low-rent people jumping in and out of bed with people and um, and troweling on the makeup. The only good thing about Made in Chelsea is they're not using on all of the girls as much makeup as Chloe Sims trowels on or either of the Fahir sisters who seem to live for the makeup counter at Boots. I've never seen anybody look so tarty in such a short space of time. Must be a bit of a shock for poor old Elliot when he finally got Chloe Sims into bed. That didn't take too long. It was like that fast, that fast. And uh, so they've not been nominated, but apparently they're all trying to blag seats to go because otherwise they, they, they've all bought their sort of cheap, sorry, very expensive outfits. They've got nowhere to wear them. Bit of a shame, isn't it? Uh, the seal. Do you remember the seal found in a field? Do you remember that one? It's dead. Pneumonia. The staff tried to save it, but it didn't, uh, it didn't work. Poor thing, honestly. And um, a tryst in a desert. This is my advice for you this morning. I don't offer advice every morning, but when I do offer advice, I mean it. And it's if you go to America or if you're going abroad, take out medical insurance. OK, it's a fairly simple thing to remember. Take out medical insurance. The reason I mention it is because a couple go over there. They decide to go off roading in their car and then they get uh, to the middle of a desert. And they decide to have a bit of a tryst, a bit of a tryst. So and halfway through their tryst, he has a cardiac and. She didn't know what to do. Oh, God. Um, so anyway, so she gets him dressed and then she has to walk three miles to find a road because they've gone off road to find a trucker who will take her into the hospital. And then they come back with uh, with an ambulance and all the rest of it. and They get him back into hospital. He's just been given a bill for one hundred and sixty five thousand pounds. Mark my words. You don't get out of America if you owe money. It's as simple as that. You owe one hundred and sixty five thousand. They'll get it one way or another. You know, they're not going to give you free medication. It's not like here, where you could practically turn up on a on a charter jet, walk straight into a hospital and we'll give you sex change surgery. In fact, actually, we will give you sex change surgery. Why? Because there's an American woman, man, who's coming over here to have about £80,000 worth of surgery. And we'll get it, provided he stroke she lives here for a year. You get free surgery for things like that. I can't believe it either, but uh, but it's true. Uh, Brooklyn Beckham has dyed his hair. He's dyed it blonde. He's only 15. Perhaps mummy likes that kind of thing. And uh, and the human cannonball who dies because the safety net collapsed. I always wanted to be a human cannonball. I always thought there'd be something quite exciting. And then you look at this one and you think, I don't think so. It's just a giant spring. And they used to have them in circuses and stuff like that. So, I mean, it's, it's, not, it's not very exciting. It's sort of semi-exciting. And uh, this this particular guy died died as a result. Oh, wait a minute. Now, what have I done here? Oh, I think I've done something wrong on this one. Oh, my, I'm sure she'll sort it out. Perhaps we can get bigger writing in a minute. If I go on to that, does that make it... Oh, that makes it much bigger. Um, actually, it doesn't make it that bigger at all. I've just realised. What have I got here? I've got um, curated feed. I like curated feed. I don't know what that is. It's very exciting. I've managed to actually sign on myself. I'm getting quite good at this now. I'm sort of actually getting to the stage where I sort of know roughly, well, I'm not done, but I just can't make the writing bigger. And I've got that bit. I'm assuming I can just lose that bit, can't I? So I just sort of click on and that goes, zoom, gone. And how do I make that bigger? Is that it? Oh, right, that, oh, look at that. How clever is that? Unbelievable. Look at that. The rest of it I did myself. I just couldn't read the writing. It was a bit too small. 
Honestly, my eyesight's getting worse and worse. <laughs> it really is. Uh, 84850. Kevin the Milkman says, one of our milk floats, I think this must have come into Ollie, uh, had its number plate cloned. Somebody used it on a moped, clocking up parking and motoring fines. I had it <clears throat> when the police turned up. Because it turned out somebody had cloned my number plate. Uh, off the, this was a few years back, about three or four years back. And the police came round and uh, he said, do you own a Vauxhall Vectra? And I looked at him sneeringly. And uh, I said, do I look like I've got a Vauxhall Vectra? And he said, well, what, what do you drive? So I pointed into the car, but I went, that. <laughs> he went, oh, right. He said, somebody's cloned your number plate. So obviously what, what somebody does is they, uh, I don't know how they manage it, but they just go out. Somebody obviously makes up my plate and they drive it around because technically that car becomes my car. And it then clocks up parking fines and jumping red lights and sitting in a yellow box and doing all that kind of stuff. So once I'd explained to them that uh, I certainly wouldn't be driving a Vauxhall Vectra on pain of death, uh, everything went really well after that. And I never heard anything else about it because it meant that when they got the car next time round, they were able to go, this is a cloned car, a cloned car. So, Deirdre, so Anne, uh, so... How are they going to write her out of Coronation Street? <clears throat> I mean, 60 is nothing, is it? 60 is absolutely nothing. I think 60 is the new 80. Or not so in her case. And um, she goes into hospital. Um, I think she'd been borderline not very well. But anyway, she went in, I think, on the Saturday. And then I think she died uh, the following day. I think it was, it was that fast. I'm told brain tumour. Now, whether or not, I mean, some people are saying in the in the papers they've said it's uh, cancer. It was, uh, I mean, certainly a brain tumour would explain the uh, the shortness. I mean, she'd she'd played Deirdre for forty three years. I mean, I think that's some kind of an achievement nowadays that anybody on the television can actually have a part. Uh, because she never wore glasses in real life. And, of course, the funny thing is, it's like Harry Potter, isn't it? You're so used to seeing Harry Potter with glasses that when you finally meet Daniel in the flesh, he doesn't wear glasses. He will do eventually, then he'll go back to looking like Harry Potter. And Deirdre, uh, when she first got married to Ray Langton in 1975, who I remember very well indeed, she was wearing glasses. Then when she married Ken Barlow in 81... She didn't wear glasses. Then she was with Mike Baldwin. Then the glasses came back again. And then they were off with Samir. Then they were back on again when she was behind bars. And uh, and then, you know, towards the end, it was still glasses. But she never wore glasses at all. She just looked good in glasses, which I, I quite like, actually. I like people who look good in glasses. And uh, 1973 is when she first started playing the part. And... Uh, it's a shame, really. She had, she did fight cancer in 1993, uh, and then she temporarily left the show. And in 2001, she said, I just wanted to die because you just don't want to go on living, feeling like that. But you're frightened that if you die, you might still feel like that on the other side. She said, there's no escape. So in other words, she obviously believed in the fact that it might, whereas a lot of people go, you know, I remember uh, some relatives of mine, they got to the age of 90 plus, they so wanted to die. Had, they used to get quite depressed when they woke up every morning. They didn't want to wake up. They wanted to sleep forever. But she had a different theory on it. She thought that if I've got pain now, I might go through to the other side and still have the pain. Well, I suspect now that the pain has actually gone for Anne. No doubt the funeral will be um, sometime next week. And uh, I think everybody's going to turn up for it. Everybody's going to turn up. Because people loved Deirdre. They loved her. We loved, you know, We sort of put up with her... 
And we put up with her little foibles and her tantrums and everything else. But she was still a good character. Very, very good character. I don't think we'll think the same about some of the other characters on some of the soaps. But for her, at the age of 60, as they say in the business, way too young. Quarter past four. Leading Britain's conversation. Nick Ferrari at breakfast. This morning from seven on LBC. On Nick Ferrari this morning, the first ever diary of a current Guantanamo Bay detainee is released. Described by Jean Le Carrier as a vision of hell. Nick's talks to his lawyer and the man tasked with editing his words. Also, why are over 4,000 foreign nationals who've served their prison sentence still in the UK? And Channel 5 newsreader Emma Crosby joins Nick to go through the papers. That's uh, just after the morning news with Lisa Aziz at 6.30. Nick Ferrari and the team with you from 7. So here it is, The Nolans, the musical. I mean, who in God's name is going to go and see that? This is uh, months after the Nolan sisters ended years of feuding. Their newfound family piece is to be tested by a Lift the Lid musical. God. The stage show, based on Anne's autobiography, will reveal all about the Irish stars' <coughs> legendary infighting and the tragedies that have played them. Uh, Anne cut contact with her sisters, including Bernie and Colleen, Maureen and Linda, when the group's label decided to tour without her. The musical could uh, also feature the sexual abuse that Anne suffered at the hands of her father, Tommy, cancers that have rocked the group since the death of Bernie, and a source said it's going to be one explosive show. To be brutally honest with you, who gives a forex? Who cares? The Nolans, do me a favour. Show about the Beatles. I mean, let's face it, if the Spice Girls couldn't, uh, couldn't make their musical survive, you don't seriously think the no- Who's putting money into this one? Must be mad as a fruit bat, I should imagine. Speaking about the history, Anne says it's been quite a journey of discovery. In her autobiography, she revealed she was sexually abused by their father. When she was 16, he suggested they run away and live as man and wife. He was quite clearly a pervert. The rest of them, though, didn't kind of accept this. Uh, Then the sisters ended their feud months after Colleen had told how she still hadn't mended it with Denise, even though Anne, Maureen and Linda had reunited. I think Colleen is the uh, the fly in the ointment. I think she's the gobby, mouthy one who had no talent. She never sang on any of their hits. She la la in the background, which is uh, what she's freely admitted. She can't sing for Toffee. And then uh, relations between Colleen, Anne and Denise first broke down after Anne had a row with Colleen's husband, Ray. Bernie's dying wish was that the sisters would put aside their differences, and it turned out they didn't. They didn't, because they all go, yeah, don't worry, Bernie, we'll do that for you, we'll do that for you. Did they, Buffalo? No, they didn't. No, they didn't. So the idea of having a musical about the... I mean, who's going to come and see that? I shouldn't imagine that they... they, I mean, unless somebody's gone... Well, listen, the tour went quite well, so perhaps, you know, a musical based on their... As if anybody's interested. Who gives a flying fork? I'm in the mood for nothing... Nothing, 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 nothing. I mean, it was just naff. It was naff. It was naff then. It's naff now. Not a musical, please God in heaven. I mean, I see that one opening and closing. A little bit worrying, isn't it? So here she is, the girl that we talked about yesterday on the programme. This is Katie Redford. Katie Redford has been uh, cast as the role of Sarah Platt's 14-year-old daughter, Bethany. Um, she obviously looks a lot younger than her playing years, or her, her playing years are obviously very young. And so she's playing a 14-year-old, but she had to say she was 19, when in fact she's 26. And to be honest with you, as far as I'm concerned, 
I, I couldn't. If, if she really looks that young and she can get away with it, fair enough. I think it was only the papers who revealed it, and then obviously Coronation Street went, uh, right, you're fired. So they fired her. I mean, why didn't they find a 14-year-old girl in the first place? They found enough other young people for Coronation Street. Why pick an actress whose, you know, playing age must be probably about 14, 15? I mean, if she, if she can get away with it, she got away with it. But she's 26. And obviously Coronation Street then decided that they couldn't, uh, couldn't do it. I mean, if you think about it, Olivia Newton-John, when she was in Greece, played a 17-year-old. Oh, Sandy. And she was 30. She was 30 when she played that. Sally Thompson. When she was playing Phyllis in The Railway Children, she played 11. She was 20. So certain people... You know, it, it's so funny. I was talking about that film the other day, The Guinea Pig, with, um, with Richard. And I looked at it yesterday. Thank you so much indeed. I have ordered it. And um, he, he must be about his mid-20s, playing a child. Uh, Stockard Channing was playing Rizzo in Greece. She was playing an 18-year-old. But in fact, she was 33. So obviously people do play old, don't they? I mean, in Beverly Hills, 90210, Luke Perry played Dylan McKay, a 16-year-old. He was, in fact, 24. And uh, Jennifer Grey's character, Baby, was 17 in Dirty Dancing. The actress herself was 27. It's interesting, isn't it? Um, I also noticed that Blake Harrison played Neil, the schoolboy in The Inbetweeners. He was 29. So it obviously doesn't matter too much, but um, what what they they've said here is that uh, we've got a few other you know th- I mean it'll give us some publicity because she obviously looks very young, but she's obviously not very young. I don't think it was worth firing somebody for though. It's not her fault, you know. She just sort of went along with it and she was playing a part. Does it really make any difference? Answer: I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, Ollie says sad loss with Anne. Every bit a character off-screen and chain-smoked through her chemo treatment when she was ill the last time. Funniest scene was when her manipulative mum threatened to leave and had apparently... Was that Blanche? Was her mum... I can't remember now. I'm trying to think, actually. It was. Anyway, she uh, packed her bags only for Deirdre to pick them up and find the suitcases were empty and all hell broke loose. No, she's... I think 60 is way too young. Sorry. I think it's way too young nowadays. Way too young. And so I just think it's... I just think it's a tragic waste tragic waste. Uh, the seal found in the field, 20 miles from the sea, has died. They called him Dumbledore. Uh, he ended up getting... How he got there, we've got no idea. We can't, can't work it out. Perhaps he flew in on a cloud or something. I don't know. But uh, The charity said, despite all the highly skilled care he received from staff, Dumbledore has died. What do you do with a dead seal? Do you just sort of chop it up and feed it to somebody, or do you just sort of bury it? I don't know what you do with them. It's not like goldfish, where you flush it down the toilet, don't you? No, just me again. Most people flush goldfish down the toilets. Seems a perfectly normal place to send them to. What else you could do? Wrap them up and bury them? I don't think so. I don't think so. Ian Highland. To feed him to the... Ca- oh, no. Do you think, think cats eat goldfish? Do they? they wouldn't eat gold. No, they wouldn't. No, they wouldn't. Cats are... Would they? Oh. Oh, I don't like the sound of that at all. Oh, no. Oh, I thought, no, cats don't eat that. That's the trouble. They don't. You put down that sort of foul-smelling food first thing in the morning, they go, if you think I'm eating that, you've got another thing coming. And so, of course, every day you try and make it more interesting. You turn it over, don't you? Try and find a bit of moist food, because all the top stuff has dried out. Then you put some other, some other dry food in with it. It's so expensive to keep cats nowadays, really. It's cheaper to get a girlfriend. If, of course, you want a girlfriend. If you don't want a girlfriend, get a boyfriend. Probably just as cheap to get a boyfriend as well, I should imagine. So Ian Highland, he does talk about the game of Fortunately, Unfortunately, The Underworld. 
lot were playing just before the minibus crash on Corrie last night. It seems such fun, it'd be rude not to join in. Because they all go off on a minibus thing. <laughs> anyway, here goes, he says. Fortunately, the crash was pretty spectacular and the eerie moonlit scenes were wonderfully shot. Unfortunately, the script required some acting from Anthony Cotton. I mean, honestly, 12 years he's been in this show and I still can't tell if he's doing traumatic shock or Peggy, the hyperventilating cleaner from Heidi High, because he just, he can't act for Toffee. He was exactly the same in Queer as Folk. Uh, he's exactly the same off screen. They gave him a chat show on ITV. And I believe there's one still on the shelf. It was so dire. For some reason, somebody in the higher echelons went, let's give Anthony Cotton uh, a chat show where he sings. It was so ghastly. I mean, it makes Judge Rinder look butch. And that takes some going, let me tell you. But uh, anyway, so uh, poor old Anthony Cotton. Perhaps we will see some acting at some point, but I'd say it's, it's, uh, it's a long time coming, I'm afraid. Long and time. What was worth catching up on? Jamie and Jimmy's Friday night feast. I have to ask, has Jamie Oliver had some sort of work done? On his face, he looked somewhat different and his eyes were very blue, like he was wearing coloured contact lenses. In fact, it was so blue, it was, it was like a, a series of the supernatural or the twilight zone. It's not bad, though. And, uh, and they went to Southend Pier, because no point in spending money, is there? So they go to Southend Pier, a little place where I've had a cup of tea, and they cook some food, and they bring in an actress. Oh, it's Kate Hudson! Every- Nobody knew who she was. Okay, Kate Hudson! Then they had to tell you who her mother was, and things like that. Oh, it's Kate Hudson! And she walks in, and we go, oh, she goes, hi! And then she has to sit down and pretend to eat this food. I mean, it's just two blokes cooking three-quarters of the way down Southend Pier, which is the boringest, most boring pier in the entire world. You expect when you get to the end of the pier that there'd be a fun fair, something like that. Three-mile-long pier, they've got a little train that goes backwards and forwards, which is good. It's good. I like to, I like to do the little train. But at the end of the pier, there's nothing. Nothing at all. There's no fun fair. There's no candy. F- there's nothing at all. Nothing, at least a Brighton Pier, you've got a fun fair at the end of it, but they've got nothing at the end of South End Pier. Just this little, this little sort of railway that sort of tootles backwards and forwards, which I like, don't get me wrong. I like going to the end of the pier, or halfway down the pier, or three quarters of the way down the pier, and having a nice cup of tea. But there's nothing on it, it's boring. South End's got the, uh, all the fun fair, I suppose, onshore, and that's quite good. I've been down there for a little while, actually. Must, must, must head down there. My car's ready to collect. I took the car in, you remember, the other day for... Uh, for its 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 mot, and uh, I did say to him, I said, "Listen, there's no rush, there's no rush." And of course, that's the f- most fatal thing you can ever say to anybody. Don't worry, there's no rush. I don't need my car back straight away because they've given me this little tiny car. And uh, I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, there were two of us in it the other day, and we were literally it was like having an affair. It, you're that close to the person next to you. I didn't I didn't like it at all actually. I like to spread out in my car, you know, and I like leather seats. It's not the, you know, the squish of it or the smell of it. It's just the fact it's leather seats. You can slide backwards and forwards. So anyway, so the car's ready. So I said, I'll come and pick it up today about 12.30 because I've got um, an in-conversation to record this morning with Bonnie Tyler. I need a hero. Oh, no, that was Deirdre, wasn't it? Uh, but uh, I'm looking forward to that because last time she was going to come in, she had to pull out at the last minute, which was a shame. So this time we've definitely got her. And I think you'll be hearing uh, this weekend with Johnny Vegas on, on In Conversation. It's now 4.30. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. 27 minutes to five. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. This is what everybody wakes up for. Where will they find enough vacant-looking bad singers, says Tom. 
Uh, this is for the uh, the musical based on the Nolans. I hate to think how they will portray the abuse. Well, I don't think you can, can you? I mean, to be honest with you, if you're going to do something like that, what next? You know, Rolf the musical. You know, Jimmy Savile, the the highlighted years. You know, I mean, I just I just don't see it. I don't think you can do something like that. I think they have to gloss over it. And yet, strangely, if they're doing it based on her book, that does form a part of the book. I don't know. By the way, says Tom, cats do eat goldfish. Oh, God. I know they play with them. I've seen them on the television where they fall into the tank and the goldfish just sit at the bottom going... <laughs> like that. And cats sort of can't, can't get themselves out quick enough, can they? Uh, April 850, Steve about lbc.co.uk. Uh, another one here. Let's try and get everything in this morning for you as I flip between my screens and try and pretend I know what I'm doing at this time with these. I'm, I'm quite good, actually. I'm getting much, much better. And, uh, and another one. Steve, yes... Cats do eat goldfish. Oh dear, I don't want to hear about that. I don't think this is very. I don't think cats should eat goldfish. I don't think they should really. And uh, it says uh, my two twelve-year-old goldfish, Lancelot and Braveheart, lasted a week after I got my cat. What made it worse was that she left them on the floor, and I trod on them in the morning. Oh no, that's even worse. Dreadful. Uh, did you get the drink back, says Rich? Yes. Kevin says, when is your book out? Should say on Amazon. I think it says the 12th, doesn't it? It says 12th of February, I'm pretty certain. Reg Varney was uh, 50 when he was playing Stan as a young bus driver. Yeah, he he died only, only well, technically speaking, only a short while ago, didn't he, really? I used to love that. They keep repeating it in the afternoon. So when I get in, I get on the buses, which I love, and uh, some Birds of a Feather, which I like as well. In fact, it just seems to be everything tailor-made for me. <laughs> Another one here. I suppose that an actor, says Kevin the Milkman, over 18, doesn't have to abide by the child employment laws, making filming less restrictive. Yeah, but they must be able to find, uh, um, you know, a 14-year-old actress. You know, there are kids in schools who, who you could take quite easily, couldn't you? And then uh, and they could play the part, like Billy Elliot. You know, the kid in it the, who, who is on the Billy Elliot Live, which I urge you to get. Provided you don't mind bad language, and there is a lot of... It's main... Well, in fact, they all use bad language, even the kids. But the kid who is playing Billy Elliot, he's called Elliot. And he's fantastic. I mean, he's absolutely fantastic. He really, Mind you, I think they're all brilliant. Uh, Pablo says, Anne Kirkbride simply was Deirdre Barlow. She really became the character. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I, I agree. The interesting thing is, looking at the uh, the story, which I'm going to bring you... Now, if I can find it, it's of uh, of James Blunt. Uh, James Blunt uh, having a go at an MP because an MP's had a go at him, and it's it's a rather it's a silly story. Wait a minute, I shall find the bloody thing. It's a silly story, really, because this is a, mind you. I also love the story of the boy of five who didn't turn up to the friend's party and got an invoice for fifteen pound ninety five. I absolutely agree with that totally. You might not think I would do, but as far as I'm concerned, how rude to not write and say, you know, you've had an invite to the party, so the parent has catered for it, and they've had to pay, and then the kid doesn't turn up, but they still have to pay for it. And so they've got Derek Nash, who's upset. Well, you stupid man, you should have had the courtesy to reply, shouldn't you? That's what happens. You know, all the kids in the class, they all get invited to parties. I've lost track of how many birthday parties uh, my... Godchildren went to as they were growing up. Literally, every weekend there would be another party. And some would be good, and some would be downright rubbish, and some would be super duper fantastic. Because 
the, the one thing that all the kids wanted, when they were young, you've got to do a goodie bag. And a goodie bag, as all parents will tell you, is a nightmare to make up. What do you put in it? You put in some balloons, some lollipops, some coloured pencils. You've got to try and do it cheaply. Uh, and a slice of cake. So after they've done the happy birthday to you, squash tomatoes, and you do that bit, then in the kitchen, it's feverishly cutting it all up into pieces, wrapping it in tissue, putting it in the goodie bag, and then they all get a goodie bag on the way out, which is how it goes. So this boy of five here is just about the right age. And, I mean, any parent will tell you, organise it is a nightmare. OK, who are your friends? You've got to invite your friends first. And then, if you're in a class, you've got to invite most of the people you hang around with. Because otherwise, somebody's going to go, why didn't I get an invite to your party? Anyway, Tanya Walsh and her partner, Derek Nash, were appalled when their son, Alex, five, arrived home from school with a bill for missing his classmate, Charlie Lawrence's big day at a local ski centre. The couple say they've even been threatened with legal action over the bill, which was delivered via their son's school bag. Uh, The mother who organised the party, Julie Lawrence, said she was left out of pocket and is entitled to the payment after expecting Alex to attend the event. Alex's parents say it clashed with a last-minute family engagement, and they were unable to contact his friend's mother to let her know. Well, that's cobblers, isn't it? I mean, that really is the biggest part of old tosh I've ever heard. Anyway, Miss Walsh said, I messaged Julie on Facebook to say sorry, let's resolve this amicably, and she said the amicable way, I believe, is for you to pay me the money, and let that be a lesson learnt. Do you remember in America? This is only highlighted by a thing in America, where this um, guy is going on a date. He's, He's arranged for this woman to have a date with him. And so it's all arranged, and all the, anyway, she doesn't show. She doesn't show. She she pulls out. So he takes her to court. He says, listen, I've organised a car, a restaurant, hired an outfit to wear, blah, 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 flowers and all the rest of it. I'm out of pocket. And he won. He won the case. So as far as I'm concerned, I think that... Uh, you know, this boy of five, his parents, load of, I mean, load of old trash, isn't it, really? That they, that we, it clashed with a, with a, with a, with something that was going on in the family. Yeah, right. Whatever, whatever you want to come up with. Whatever you want to come up with. You know, and so they've, um, and they've said, no, we're not actually going to pay it. However, uh, another one here, uh, Mr. Nash said, my partner looked out for Mrs. Lawrence to apologise for Alex not showing up to the party, but didn't see her. On January the 15th, looked in Alex's school bag and found a brown envelope. He said uh, he said he visited Mrs. Lawrence's home and told her he was not happy. Looking at a picture of him, you can imagine, when he says he's not happy, it probably sounded like a bit of a threat. He said, I thought it was a joke to begin with. I'm lost for words. Why would you be lost for words, Mr. Nash? Why would you be lost for words? I don't quite understand how you'd be lost for words. How rude are you? How rude are you? Somebody, you know, goes to all the time and trouble of organising a party and it's 16 quid a head and your son doesn't show because you can't be blooming well bothered to contact her. Well, more fool you. More fool you. He said in a statement, Mrs Lawrence said, all details were on the party invite. They had every detail needed to contact me. Yesterday, the manager of the ski centre said the company would never send invoices to individuals. She said, we're upset that we've been dragged into this. We're quite flexible. If any of the party doesn't turn up, we can put on other activities to compensate, as often an adult will take part in place. I think it's a hilarious story. I love it. I absolutely... I I think it's a great story. Make them pay. Make them pay. That's what I think. That's what I think. So, the, the James... Blunt story. This is James Blunt. Now, I've interviewed James Blunt. He's been on In Conversation. He's lovely. But he's accused the Labour shadow minister of being classist. This is Chris Bryant, 
Chris Bryant, wait for this one. I mean, nobody's ever heard of him, so there you go. Let's start on that level. Claimed that British culture is dominated by public schoolboys such as the Harrow-educated pop star and old Etonian actor Eddie Redmayne. Two. Two, ladies and gentlemen, for the, uh, for the elusive Mr Bryant. Anyway, the Brit award-winning winning singer accused the Labour MP of teaching the politics of jealousy rather than celebrating his success. You remember, of course, Mr Bryant, let's put this in context, he went to public school, ladies and Chris Bryant went to public school. He's a champagne socialist, and he's picked on James Blunt, who was in the army, and um, he says it's very interesting. He says, perhaps what you fail to realise is that the only head start my school gave me in the music business, where the vast majority of people are not from boarding school, is to tell me I should aim high. At the weekend, in an interview with The Guardian, Mr Bryant, obviously an attention seeker, said, I'm delighted that Eddie Redmayne won a Golden Globe for Best Actor, but we can't just have a culture dominated by Eddie Redmayne and James Blunt and their ilk. He said there was a need for more gritty drama on television. Is this man a complete buffoon? I'm not actually sure whether you're as stupid as you're portraying yourself, Mr Bryant. He says, we can't just have Downton programming ad infinitum. We don't. Are you very... I mean, you really are dim, aren't you? Have you seen anything on television, love? Get out there. Anyway, Blunt responded yesterday with a letter that started, Dear Chris Bryant MP, you classes gimp. He also warned the MP, a prejudiced wazzock, and added, No one helped me at boarding school to get into the music business. <coughs> Excuse me. I bought my first guitar with money I saved from holiday jobs, sandwich packing. I was taught the only four chords I know by a friend. Nobody at school had any music. But of course, old Chris Bryant, the champagne socialist, he's got no, he's out to lunch. He doesn't know anything on the television. And this is a man, he went to Cheltenham College, £33,000 a year. That's what it cost to send him there. And he's emerged as dumb as that. You know, you can't have all this stuff on the television because it's all Downton Abbey. One programme. You know, and he's named Eddie Redmayne, who up until a couple of years ago nobody would heard of. So, so he went to public school. Exactly the same as you, Mr Bryant, didn't he? You're not going to be winning yourself any votes, are you, anytime soon? My God, I tell you, if ever proof was needed that MPs really are dumb, dumb, dumb and dumber, he kind of fits the bill. Poor soul, honestly, I have to feel sorry for him. Uh, 84850, uk. So they fired the girl from Coronation Street because she fibbed about her age. Steve says maybe the party bill could be a case for Judge Rinder. The sooner that programme's off the television, the happier I'll be. Can't bear it. Makes me feel physically ill to watch it. It's ghastly. Absolutely ghastly. Uh, another one here, very quickly. Let's try and get some more in as we uh, as we plod our merry little way through. I thought there were some good stories. I quite like the one that Ollie Mann did. Uh, about the sun axing page three. I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, does anybody really care? Uh, the only thing I worry about is what on earth are, uh, you know, girls from the Midlands going to do for a job now? I mean, what have they got? There's nothing to look forward to. You go to your job centre and, you know, way eight, want to be a PH3 girl, get me tits out. Wee, little jiggly jiggly. And now they're, they're doing it so it's sort of, it's, it's, they've made it classy. The trouble is the page three scenario finished years ago. It was all started with, you know, the uh, the Samantha Foxes. I mean, Katie Price was a bit low rent. She started when she was 16, but she came along miles after everybody else had been there. I remember loads of the page three girls. I've got loads of photos of me sitting with them in Stringfellows. Uh, girls that you wouldn't even remember now. Lovely Suzanne Mitzi. You know, people who are sort of very pretty. And we'd all sit down having breakfast and chatting away about all sorts. Linda Lusardi. All of these people. You know, nowadays, I mean, can you name me any page three girls? No. 
can't I can't think of any off the top of my head. I mean, I'm sure there are some who think they're well known, but to be honest with you, I think it's a hiding to nothing now. Gone are the days. I mean, Samantha Fox kind of you know set the set the pace. She started when she was like 15 or 16, and uh, went on to become a fully fledged lesbian and was very happy. And but I knew all about Samantha Fox because she used to be part of our little coterie in Stringfellows. And uh, it was, I think the, the, I think the warning signs were always there. I say warning signs, it's because you don't really sort of tell people about that. But then she did come out some years later, and she's got a, a much older partner. She's much happier now, much happier now as a person. I'm, I'm assuming, I don't even know what she does for money. I don't know what she does for money. But also the page three girls that they've got nowadays, nobody really, nobody really cares about them. They're just, because they take so many pictures, you've got pictures that can run for ages and ages. I wasn't even sure if the mirror... Uh, did sort of a page three type thing. But they don't, do they? Uh, then somebody complained and said, what about the fellas? And of course, the son used to do a page seven fella. Um, and that sort of went by the wayside. So I suppose it's a wee bit dated. And, you know, we don't need things like that. I didn't believe the woman who phoned up and said that, you know, kids are going to be influenced by it. Not a pair of boobs in a newspaper. Dear God in heaven. You can type in, you know, one word on the internet. You can get as much hardcore pornography as you need. They don't need a copy of The Sun to, to sort of find themselves being led down the evil path into the den of iniquity. 14 to 5. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. 10 to 5 is the time. So here's the story of a pregnant Nigerian woman. Her plan to use the NHS as an international health service to deliver her baby and then to have the child declared a British citizen. It was foiled when she was exposed as a fraud. Oluwasun Adenubi used the passport of her friend, 32-year-old Rita Ogunkunle, to obtain free care. They're all bent in this one, OK, as long as you establish that one. Uh, after the delivery, the friend and her boyfriend, Michael Adibambo, registered the baby as theirs, which, of course, it wasn't, because they're a pair of frauds. However, the staff at the Farnborough Hospital uh, realised the medical records of the genuine Ogun Kuni, who had received acne treatment there, conflicted with her pregnant patient claiming to be her. The probation service think this is a plot to use the International Health Service and then take further advantages. Uh, Adenubi, who was granted a family visit visa, which allows her to stay in the UK for six months, pleaded guilty to fraud. And uh, hopefully they'll be sent to prison and uh, then thrown out. She said she arrived because she was fleeing a violent partner in Nigeria. These people come up with any old guff. Any old guff. They tell like We had the man, didn't we, who got to the airport. We couldn't send him away because, because he's remembered he's gay. You'd think he'd have remembered, you know, as the prison officers brought him in, he wanted to hold hands and skip with them. But uh, he didn't remember that until he actually got to the airport. These people tell lies. They tell lies. They're actually well accomplished to telling lies. She claims she found this passport on a, on a bench in a park. Because you're always finding things like that, aren't you? I'm constantly walking into parks and finding passports on benches. I really am. It's almost embarrassing, I'm afraid. There's so many out there. I should really pass them on. Uh, Katie Price has said, I mean, if you really want to hear something dumb this morning, or something dumber, She's never going to wear a onesie ever again. Why? Because apparently she uh, spotted Kieran Haler, that's her husband, that's the one who's having a whale of a time at home, uh, and Jane Poutney on a security camera as they sneaked out of a party, both wearing onesies. So she said she's never going to wear a onesie ever again. Not all there in the upstairs department. Presumably they must have been wearing shoes, so perhaps she's going to stop wearing shoes as well or knickers, or anything like that. She insisted now she'd only wear her cashmere one-piece as it was not a proper onesie. I mean, I've watched her in the house. She's so boring. 
I mean, God knows she is so dreary. I don't think it was possible for somebody to be that boring. Katie, uh, Katie Hopkins and her appear to have bonded. I don't think they have. Although it'll be interesting to see what, what Katie Hopkins writes when she comes out. Uh, Katie Price looking fairly rough at the moment as we're allowing to day three, I think. And uh, Kavanagh, boring as heck. Really so, so dull. And the other person who's really a slight worry to himself is Callum Best. Uh, the rest of them in there, I don't really know. I mean, there's, uh, as I say, Kavanagh you can write off completely. Katie Hopkins, I don't know. You know, I, I wanted her to be a bit tougher, but as you know, she's not. She's a nice person, so that's why she can't play tough. Where she should have gone to, to Katie Price, because Katie Price is going, oh, look, I'm really bonding with you now. Let me put some fake suntan on you. You're going to be, she said, we're going to be really good friends outside the house. I was nearly sick over the television. Michelle Visage. Um, I, I mean, I don't know what to say about her. I can't think of anything. Callum Best, just nothing at all going on. I mean, between the ears, clouds, I suspect. Cammy Lee. And uh, she's just cheap and tacky. I think there's no other way to describe her. Keith Chegwin, he's starting to crack. He's, he's, he's started to go a little bit. Patsy Kensett's mad as a fruitcake. I didn't realise, actually. I always knew she was slightly, slightly peculiar. But uh, in this, she's, uh, she's, she's really, really gone off the boil. We've had tears. We've had all sorts of things. She just can't cope with life, I suspect. Alicia Duval, I mean, she is bimbo o'clock. She is the dumbest person I think I've ever seen on television. She is so thick, she makes Katie Price look mensa. Nadia Sawala, she's got to go. She's got to go. She's, she's, she's losing the plot in there. And Perez Hilton. I mean, I had no idea until about, about seconds into it that he was gay. And, and he writes a blog in America on what? I've got no idea. I've got no idea. And he likes to steal the limelight. Quite clearly, Kavanagh doesn't like him. But then Kavanagh doesn't even like himself. So what you've got is a lot of people with emotional problems, uh, none more so than poor Katie Price, who, because her husband, her husband we're talking about here, Kieran Haler, you know, she could have kicked him out, but there again, she'll have two more children to pay for. That'll be ooh, nearly up to a football team, aren't we? Well, close. And, um, and so she's hung on to him. He's at home at the moment. I mean, I'm assuming she's chained him to the door. I don't know how else he's going to survive, is he? I mean, I suppose he could sort of, he could sort of get out of there and do... Some, I don't know what he does, actually. He used to be a plasterer, he used to be a stripper, and now we don't know what he is. We just know he's been to rehab. We're not sure which rehab or which one that she, she told us. And um, at some point during Wednesday's, uh, Wednesday's din, either Mel or Sue asked, what's our demographic? And suddenly you could hear a pin drop as the audience went through a mental checklist of students, hostages, blood relatives and undiscovered corpses. The main constituency, though, must think, uh, must be thick TV executives who seriously believe that these two have contributed to Bake Off's success rather than hitched the luckiest ride of their lives. How else to explain the fact they've now got their own daily chat show, which was filled this week with cookery, chat, another write-on comedienne, and a failed attempt to hypnotise a chicken called Madge. I mean, it really is the worst programme I think I've seen on the television. Not totally the worst, but certainly close to it. Neither of them can present. They cannot do that relaxed Alan Titchmarsh kind of presentation. They can't do it. It just doesn't work. I don't know who their audience are. As I say, corpses mainly, people in cemeteries, people going to funerals, blood donors, people lying there going, turn, turn the television off. 
in those sort of plain, plaintive little noises that people make. Remember I told you yesterday in Shepton Mallet, there's a, a boy dubbed the baddest lad in Britain, goes into Costas and starts swearing and effing and blinding and doing this kind of thing. And then the mother yesterday blames the school. I mean, the woman's a complete idiot. Complete idiot. And uh, she says he started hanging out with the wrong crowd. What's well, your fault, dear? That's your fault. You're his mother. He's 11. She says, on home life, I should have said no more often. You're the fool, aren't you? You're the one. You know, a one-boy crime wave revealing her agony. Oh, pitifully you. Pitifully you, dear. What a shame. I don't know how you've managed to make it to adulthood, if indeed you are. He steals from his mother. He throws stones. He smashed his mum's mobile phone. He uses threatening and abusive uh, words. He set fire to floorboards. Exposed himself in a local Costa coffee shop. And she goes, I blame myself for not having the courage to say no to my little hellraiser. Oh, she says, I do feel ashamed. He does too. Does he really, dear? Does he really? Had to be told in court, take his hands out of his pockets. She didn't bother going to court. They had to send out for her. She says, on schools, I need help. I can't do it on my own. You waste of space, honestly. You complete and utter loser. I loved it. I need help. I can't do it on my own. Oh, pitifully you, dear. That's what stick you on the television. Actually, do you remember that talk of sticking people on the television? You know that MP's wife, Danzuk or whatever her name is, the one who looks slightly peculiar? She's decided to give up politics and go into television presenting. I don't know why. She'll last about 35 seconds. She looks freaky enough in her photos. Done all these selfies where she's got... She's, I mean, she's not blessed with looks, poor soul. You know, so you start with a handicap. And then you sort of look at her and she said, I'm coming out of politics. I've decided I want to be a presenter. I don't know. I might go on Countdown as if it was ever on offer. As if it was ever on offer. It's hilarious, isn't it? I love these sort of uh, people. You know, it's sort of... It's the, the desperately wannabes, needies, please, please, look at me, look at me, attention-seeking. It's a bit Sally the Burke. It's a bit Chloe Maidley. You know, it's people like that who sort of... They have no discernible talent whatsoever. They just sort of inflict themselves on people. So we've managed to get rid of Sally the Burke, thank God. And perhaps Chloe Maidley will go the same way. Claim to fame? Um, oh, she's Richard and Judy's daughter. That's right. I knew there was something. She doesn't actually have any talent. Uh, the dearest one-bed flat for sale. Here it is. It's at one Hyde Park complex. This is a one-bedroom flat, but it's about the biggest you've ever seen. Uh, it's got one bedroom and it's costing you ten thousand, uh, ten ten million pounds. I do beg your pardon. I've just downgraded it. It's in a plush block. I don't know why you want to live there. Half the flats will appear empty to me. I go past it every single day. And uh, what what they're offering? I mean, you could buy forty seven homes in Manchester for the price of this one. You'd have to put it this way: it's been sitting there like this since they've been built, which is years now, years. Apparently, the uh, estate agents say One Hyde Park is the best new residential building in London, if not the world. It's been up for years. Years. And still you don't see anybody in it. Still, you, so, they, so they've now got an apartment. But, of course, it's not very expensive because the dearest apartment, we were told, was £142 million pounds or £124 million pounds at the top of the building. So here, here's a one bed. And they also, they've got, um, I think, the service charge on this one is £32,000 a year. For what? They're not coming in to clean it, are they, for that price? £2,000 a year in ground rent and more than £1.1 million in stamp duty. <laughs> Small wonder it's sat there empty for all this time. So now they're, they're trying to market it. I should imagine they've got loads of flats to market there. Built by the... Um, what's it, brothers, weren't they? But uh, to be honest with you, £10 million for an apartment. I'd move to Manchester. Far more exciting. And the fish and chip shop's only around the corner. 
Still to come on the programme, Katie Redford sensationally sacked from Corrie, but as somebody's pointed out, uh, this is an ongoing part. She might all of a sudden age overnight. How they will explain that one away. Soap star Anne Kirkbride has died suddenly at the age of only 60. They'll have to write her out. I don't know how they're going to do it at all. The serial thief who gets his housing benefit in prison. Deep Joy. Do you remember we told you the man, he had his wife's voice on his answer phone and then some engineers came in and they've lost it. They found it again. Only going to prove to me once and for all that there's no such thing as losing anything even when you clean your computer. Uh, retro toys a go and boost for the Tudor knick-knack trade. We love the Tudors. It's LBC. On. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. The sad news that uh, soap star Anne Kirkbride has died at the age of just 60 and very suddenly as well. It was a very short illness. She's on the front of every paper this morning because for over 40 years she was Deirdre. Everybody knew her, everybody sympathised with her when she was put in prison. They had a, you know, free the Weatherfield one. We had the whole thing out there, the whole caboodle. She had her share of, of romances. She was a chain smoker. I don't think the chain smoker had anything to do with... I'm led to believe it was a, a brain tumour. But uh, either way, 60, way, way too young. But she gets some lovely tributes as well. Uh, the mother is finally taking responsibility for her son's behaviour, not... It's another feeble, help me, help me kind of plea from a woman who's incapable of doing anything at all. That she couldn't even turn up in court. They had to send out. He came in with his grandfather and they went, go and get your mother. Go and get your mother. Ridiculous, honestly. Um, the wife's public execution is exposed in an online video from Mecca. That's in a lot of the papers for today. Chuka Amuna flounces out of a TV interview. You have to see it, actually. You might change your mind about it. You might think sort of, he's sort of having a, a bit of a tantrum. But uh, but then you sort of watch the interviewing process and it's not sort of going anywhere at all. James Blunt goes to town on Labour's Chris Bryant. As I say, many of you won't even know who Chris Bryant is. Let me tell you, he was uh, privately educated at Cheltenham on £33,500 a year. But he's laid into James Blunt and Eddie Redmayne and Downton as being, you know, it's just featuring all posh people. Where are the working class people? Anybody less working class, you'd be hard pushed to find with Mr Bryant, who's very much the champagne socialist. Very much it's a case of don't do as I do, do as I say. Not going to win him any friends, I don't think. The human cannonball who's died because the safety net collapses as he comes out. Literally... He's fired out of the cannon, which is like a giant spring, and um, the safety net wasn't even up. So he died, and um, he's been doing it for, for a long, long time. We're going to be getting some more Tudor programmes back on the television. Tudor programmes on the television, which means that they can start selling a lot of Tudor knickknacks. If you go to Hampton Court Palace, which is a lovely day out, I promise you, uh, their gift shops there are just full of Tudor knickknacks. They've got all sorts of stuff, you know, from little things that the kids can afford to uh, serious stuff because we have a fascination with the Tudors. We absolutely love them. The Trist in the Desert in America, which cost a couple because he had a cardiac, um, £165,000. £165,000 because he didn't have medical insurance. And a trial that's, uh, that's going to cost over £10,000 over a nightclub grope. In other words, they're going to have to decide if somebody put their hand on somebody's leg. Somebody's leg. 
I'm frightened to touch anybody nowadays, honestly. You know, people get too close. Don't get too close. Don't get too close. I want it to look like it's sort of, you know, I sort of touched you inappropriately. I mean, I'm not even sure if you could put your hand round somebody's shoulder now. I'm not sure if that's acceptable in this day and age. I might try it in the office a bit later on, actually. Go round and sort of, you know. I think if you try and sort of force your, your, your tongue into somebody's mouth, I think you're going to be in a lot of trouble there. But can you put your arm round somebody's shoulder? I don't know. Is that acceptable? You don't have to pat somebody on the bottom. Is that accept- That's obviously not acceptable. But can you put your arm around somebody's waist? I did see a man doing it to the Queen. It's on a programme called Our Queen. And he does it at a farming show. And he's- he puts his hand on her back to guide her through the crowd. And somebody very politely said to him, Don't touch Her Majesty. Okay. They don't like being touched. Uh, she especially. She especially. Uh, so they've got the, uh, the NTA Awards, the National Television Awards... And uh, they've got a Gogglebox family, the Trappers or Tappers, whoever they are. You've never seen such a ghastly family in your entire... I can't bear Gogglebox. I know I must be out on a limb on this one. But to be honest with you, I mean, they've got a daughter who's vastly overweight. Um, I'm not sure just how fake they are. Sadly, they come from Edgware. And they say they've been transformed. If only. If only. Emergency liposuction in order there. Uh, Chat show host, who's been nominated? Graham Norton. Paul O'Grady, Jonathan Ross, Alan Carr, Michael McIntyre. I think it could be Graham Norton, don't you? I mean, he, he seems to get the big names. He's good. Uh, comedy, Benador, Mrs Brown's Boys, Outnumbered, The Big Bang Theory. Um, gosh, I don't know where to go on that one. Benidorm, because it's got a huge audience. Mrs Brown's Boys. The Big Bang Theory is, is very clever. Very, very clever. And they might have brought somebody over for that. Outnumbered, I'm not too sure. Drama. Uh, Scylla has been nominated with Sheridan Smith, Doctor Who, Downton Abbey and Sherlock. I think possibly Downton again. I think it is consistently good. Entertainment presenters. Oh, well, it's a no contest, I'm afraid, because Anton Decker up for nomination again, even though I've not seen them on television for ages. Um, Keith Lemon. I'm sorry, I thought it said presenter and entertainment. Not Keith Lemon, as far as I'm concerned. Dermot O'Dreary and Bradley Walsh. About time Bradley Walsh got something. Uh, The talent show... Britain's Got Talent, Strictly Come Dancing, The Voice, The X Factor, and um, it'll go to Strictly Come Dancing. Okay. Serial Drama, Coronation Street, uh, EastEnders, Emmerdale, Hollyoaks. Got to go to Corrie, hasn't it, really? I suppose in the, in the light of, uh, of the death of uh, Anne Kirkbride. Drama Performance, Benedict Cumberbatch, Sarah Lancashire, Maggie Smith in Downton. Can you see Maggie Smith sitting at the, uh, the NTA Awards? I can't either. So I think probably Sarah Lancashire. Uh, Entertainment programme, Anton Deck Saturday Night Takeaway. Good God, when was that on last? It's not been on for ages, has it? Celebrity Big Brother. Well, yeah, if only they could find a celebrity on it. I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. And Through the Keyhole with Keith Lemon. A more ghastly programme you'd be hard-pushed to find. Really, really bad. Uh, Factual, Gogglebox... Uh, Paul O'Grady for the love of dogs and Top Gear. I like all of those. Oh, and Long Lost Family. I think Long Lost Family is Davina McCall and somebody else doing a programme where people try and sort of find out where their uh, where their families got to or what or what their families did or something like that. I don't know. Uh, either way, Anton Deck are going to win, aren't they? Because Anton Deck are very good at doing entertainment programmes. Please go. I don't think the day will come, not in our lifetime, where Keith Lemon will ever get anything at all. Mainly because it's just it's he's just not not very good. 
You know, it's Keith Lemon playing Keith... Sorry, it's, it's Lee Francis playing Keith Lemon in just about everything. He doesn't seem to... I thought it was a character. It's not. It's him. That's what he's like all the time. Very dreary. Very dreary. Uh, another story here. British Gas have cut the annual bill by £37. I mean, seriously, we're going to worry about £37 over the course of a year. God, bad enough having to worry about what we've got to worry about at the moment. Well, if you're self-employed, tax at the end of this month. And we're up to the 20th, so you've only got 10 days to find the money. I'm aiming this specifically at Danielle Westbrook, just in case she's listening at the moment. Where's the money? Hope you put it aside, which will be good. And uh, what else we've got coming? Oh, then, of course, you'll have car tax, insurance. Um, I've got the MOT. I don't know how much it costs to put it through the MOT. Probably not very much. And uh, then what else have I got? Oh, luckily, because I wasn't sure when my VAT was due. But the last one I paid was December, so I've got January, February. I've got till the end of uh, February. It'll be paid in March, I would think, the next one. So so we're not too bad. I couldn't bear it if it all came out at the same time. <laughs> I think I'd be very, very, uh, very, very shell-shocked by the whole thing. I really would. Uh, another one here says, um, I still believe Katie Hopkins is playing them all like an old fiddle, gathering all these stories for the future. Um... I'm not too sure. I think her guard is down at the moment. Katie Price has gone in there to literally try and win her over so that she doesn't write horrible things about her, which is quite a clever thing to do. Because I remember somebody saying that to me years and years ago, that a, a TV critic had written some awful stuff about them. And I said, but that's what TV critics do. You know, everybody's allowed an opinion. If you don't like it, well, pfft, nobody cares anymore, do they? And, um, and in the end... He said, I, I did an interview with this TV critic so that he wouldn't write horrible things about me. Because it then becomes a little bit difficult. And Katie Price has gone in there because Katie Price apparently is, is really quite sort of insecure and loves her children. So much so she's dumped them on the outside while she goes in there. I don't think she'll do any more than a week. I think at the end of the week she'll, she'll go, I have to go, I have to do this and that. And that'll be it. Because at the moment she's contributing zilch to the thing. Absolute zilch. It's, it's very... It's a little bit embarrassing. I was asking you who was singing for Queen the other day, and they found a worthy successor. Uh, Roger Taylor and Brian May have picked Adam Lambert. Adam Lambert is standing in for Freddie Mercury. Uh, and they say he's absolutely ideal. I don't know anything about him. I just know that I thought Freddie Mercury was uh, was so so sort of Queen. I, I thought he was Queen. I know, the, I know the other boys were there, but Freddie Mercury was so distinctive. I think the crowd absolutely loved him. And I think with every group, you've got to have somebody who leads by example. And I think in the case of, uh, of Freddie Mercury, he led. He knew exactly what he wanted. He knew exactly how he liked it. And, and it, just, it just worked. It just worked. Again, another one. Another one. I don't know anything about Chris Bryant. Is there, are, there, are there stories about Chris Bryant? Have I missed this? I don't know anything. I seriously don't know enough about him. I'll have to. Uh, I'll have to Google him, and find out if we can sort of uh, see what else he's actually got going in his life. Uh, eight for eight five zero. Oh. Uh, Phil says, following the story about Coronation Street actress who got sacked for not telling the truth about her age, I applied last year for several jobs on my CV. I told the truth about my age, sixty-one, and I didn't get any replies. Gosh, oh, that's ridiculous. Honestly, why did you put sixty-one down? 39. Always put 39 down. I mean, where, where, wherever it came to age, just leave it blank. What difference does it make? What difference does it make? Let them see you first. You know, if you're lucky enough as this actress to, to be 26 but to look 19 but play 14, then uh, I'm sure she'll get loads of work. Loads and loads of work. But, I mean, goodness sake, honestly. Imagine if you heard somebody on the radio who was sort of, you know, pretending to be 39 but really was a lot older than that. Pfft. 
I mean, they wouldn't last five minutes, would they, really? The Candy Brothers who built the flats. Thank you, Kenneth. It was the Candy Brothers. You're quite right. I think they've also got Chelsea Barracks and a load of other places. But uh, every so often, they, they put a flat up there because it's linked to the Mandarin Hotel next door. And they go, here it is, the most expensive one-bedroom flat. And you think, even people coming in from abroad, you're not going to buy a one-bedroom flat for £10 million. Because you can't even bring the family. Most of these people have got big families, and they come over here to escape the heat. So £10 million for a one-bedroom flat with £32,000 a year service charge. 32000 I thought mine was bad enough. I pay about £1,200 a year service charge, which I think is quite reasonable. But 32000 a year. It's not the most expensive, I've heard. And there's ground rent as well. And then you've got stamp duty. All in all, it's not really good value at all, is it? Quarter past five. Leading Britain's conversation. Nick Ferrari at breakfast. This morning from seven on LBC. Look at the team with you. After the news at seven, the first ever diary of a current Guantanamo Bay detainee is released. Described by John le Carrier as a vision of hell. Nick talks to his lawyer and the man tasked with editing his words. Also, why are over 4,000 foreign nationals who've served their prison sentences still in the UK? And Channel 5 newsreader Emma Crosby joins Nick to go through the papers. So Nick and the team with you at 7 this morning, after the morning news with Lisa Aziz at 6.30. I'm Steve Allen. It's 5.20. You don't really want to know that, do you? There's nothing very exciting about being told it's 5.20 in the morning. But uh, it's great if you're sort of just getting up. You go... Mm. You do the usual stretch. Stretching's very good for you, apparently. Very, very good. They recommend it during the Middle Ages. They put you on a rack and they'd really stretch you out a little bit. And um, that was another thing that we were pretty famous for. Not quite as bad as over in Saudi, where a woman has been executed. And they obviously tried to keep it hushed up. Well, they got, can't have done. They did it in a public place. But somebody uploaded it. Somebody filmed it and then put it up. They found the person. Now, what fate uh, befalls them, I've got no idea. I should imagine something quite serious. They don't like the outside world to see that they behead women without a trial. This woman was accused of all sorts of things. Up until the end, she was protesting her innocence. She was dragged, dragged, ladies and gentlemen, out into this execution spot, still protesting her innocence and saying, I did not kill the child. She's accused of all sorts of things. But there again, we know that these countries, a lot of things are just made up because they can't ever admit that they make a mistake. And uh, she was publicly beheaded. They held her down and the executioner took her head off. And I don't quite see what purpose that serves, because if uh, public beheadings were a deterrent, there would be no crime whatsoever. But there is loads of crime. There really is. Uh, the tryst in the, in the desert. This is for Miss Reed and Mr Cousins, who go over there and uh, they go trekking uh, on a cowboy ranch in the desert, which is quite a nice thing to do. And uh, anyway, they, they, they go out one day. Peter Cousins is 55, travelling the world with his partner Dawn. And uh, they were miles from civilization when they came across a beautiful natural hot spring. And they decided to have an outdoor tryst. I think that means a bit of rumpy bumpy. And they did. Unfortunately, he suffered a cardiac arrest and collapsed. Only 55. Seriously, only 55. He suffered this cardiac arrest. Anyway, uh... She didn't know what to do. She was about 60 miles from a phone signal. She was forced to run three miles to flag down a trucker. He was then airlifted to hospital where he underwent a life-saving operation. But the artist, who didn't have any travel insurance, was in for another shock when they gave him a bill for his five-day stay. £165,000. If that wasn't bad enough, he was forced to return home and broke up with Miss Reed, 
who remained in the US despite his misfortune. Mr Cousins from Dorset insists his outdoor quickie was worth it. He says it was the most expensive one ever. I haven't been able to pay it off, and although it's always at the back of my mind, I have no regrets it was worth it for the sex. He's <laughs> nice to be philosophical about it. He's still negotiating with Reno Hospital over the $250,000 bill. He said, if the hospital decide I do have to pay back the full amount, I'll never be able to go to America again. That will hurt. They will get their money back. Otherwise, they will, they will make sure that uh, the moment you turn up in the country, you'll be under arrest. So you can't go there ever, ever, ever again. Uh, more on the, uh, the woman the other day, Hannah Winterbourne. We don't know Hannah Winterbourne's male name. Hannah Winterbourne was a man who went out and served at Camp Bastion in Helmand, came back and had a sex change operation, and is now uh, the Army's first transgender senior officer. In fact, it's so good now, the Army even paid for her new mess uniform, a navy blue ball gown. Which is very sweet, isn't it? It makes you wonder, really, what, what the Army is doing there. You know, and I don't really know whether or not, you know, we're concentrating too much time on what somebody does in their private life, as opposed to what we're paying them to do. So now, um, she says here, despite being perceived as a very masculine, old-school organisation, the army is actually very forward-thinking. Yes, but of course, the moment you enter into the newspapers, they're not going to be risking anything for fear of somebody taking them to court. People see a female, and they interact interact with me as a female. I think now she works with sort of transgender people within the army. Very interesting, isn't it, that, you know, people go for this. I got it confused a couple of days ago. I thought it was from uh, uh, female to male, but it wasn't. It was male to female. Uh, the TV event of the year, as the BBC's Tudor blockbuster Wolf Hall starts tomorrow, a top historian reveals why Henry VIII was the first Eurosceptic. I love everything about Henry VIII. Something about, I don't know, I can walk around Hampton Court Palace and you think that the corridors of power that existed in Hampton Court Palace were the same ones that Henry VIII walked up and down. The rooms are the same rooms where he sat down and ate his dinner or his lunch and people paid for the privilege. He walked in the gardens. Must have been fantastic. If only they'd had movie cameras, we could have captured everything and we could have watched it. Lovely. Neil said, sad to hear about Deirdre Barlow. I know, very sad. He says, I loved your impression of her saying, again when you had a sore throat. I know it worked better then, didn't it? I don't know where, th- th- at some point, I think, in it, because she went through hell and high water with, with Ken. But uh, we liked her. And you're quite right, Neil. 60, no age at all. Absolutely no age. It's nothing, is it, really? Heavens above, you know, we've got loads of people, you know, go to their 80s, their 90s. What did we have the other day? A woman of 112. 112. How lovely was she? And, uh, and she said that the, the secret of a, of a long life was sort of everything but but not in excess. Not in excess. And that's what I liked about it. I thought, you know, to be 112 years old... I mean, I don't really know what the what the quality of life is at 112, but uh, I thought she did... Uh, she'd done particularly well. So she says... And just, you know, she says, just, just be good. Be nice to people. Which I think is good. Talk of being nice to people. Poor old Noreen... She said, sad news. I'm not a Corrie fan nowadays, but she has been there for so many years. Over 40. And Brian today, Noreen's long-suffering other half, has uh, been fasting. Bloods at 10. Oh dear, we know how you feel then. You see, I work on the assumption, if you go to bed late, you can stay in bed later, and then you have to get up and go to the doctors. So he was manically eating everything before 10pm. And the other day you read out the top 10 bad foods. One was pork pie with pickle. Brian loves those. And top of the list was the Sainsbury's gammon steaks. I eat them regularly. 
Actually, there's a piece today in the paper about Tesco. And uh, the man who's there now says, uh, the man I left at the helm has ruined Tesco. He says, I feel sad. I spent my career there. And this is Terry Leahy blaming his uh, successor for the scandals and the loss of customers. It's wiped four billion off its share value. Strange enough, I was in Tesco the other day. And, and I go in there to buy only one thing. I buy aluminium foil dishes. And you get five in a pack for £2. And I buy lots of them. Because I cook in my halogen oven with these and then I can throw them away afterwards. It saves the washing up. So I'm, I'm a bit of a disposable person. Now, when I went in there three weeks ago to buy them, uh, the top thing in, the, in this list of five had little glue, uh, little glue round bits underneath. And it was a blooming nuisance because trying to pull it off there just didn't work at all. So you ended up ruining one of the aluminium foil pie dishes. And so I was delighted when I went in there the other day to Tesco's by the rugby ground and discovered that now Tesco have got them and they put cardboard round, which means that there's no sticky bits at all. It's brilliant. So you end up with the five dishes that you bought. So I was very happy. I nearly felt like writing to them saying, you know, I'm very, very pleased that this is what you've done because you've made one of your customers very happy. It probably doesn't mean anything. I'm not exactly spending a small fortune. You know, I think I spent £20 in there and that was that was just about it. But I'll tell you the one thing that really annoys me more in that carpet than any other, the amount of people who park in disabled spaces who aren't disabled. They're just bone idle. And I can't work out if they're just ignorant. You know, if I had my way, I'd have a tow truck round there and lift them out so that they uh, they disappeared. So much easier. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. It's lovely. Look, somebody said here, can you please bring an HDM and VGA cable to me this morning? This is lovely, isn't it? I don't know why they're sending it to me. I've got no intention of going to a meeting, taking a, taking a cable with me. But it could be a bit of fun. I could just turn up, actually. Uh, Mark, uh, no, but it's on the cards very, very shortly. Uh, ta -ta -ta, very quickly. Another one here. Uh, this is from uh, Zara's in Brighton. Says, uh, surely you were joking about Anton Deck. And I'm a celeb being up for an award. No. No, absolutely not. I mean, you know, Anton Deck, I think, have secured it every year for about the past 12 years. I think so. I mean, Hollyoaks is more appropriate for the over 40s with the terrible message it brings. And as for celebrity big brother, Katie Price, uh, the only celeb, half of the others are from the... Katie Price isn't a celeb. She's a failed glamour model. Totally failed, as you know, Zara. Well, Sarah, really. Um, she's, uh, no, total failure. They've, they've only put her in there because they think she's going to add something to it. But in fact, she hasn't added anything. And that's, that's the big problem, isn't it? They were hoping for, uh, for, you know, some fireworks or something. But it's, it's turned out to be pussycats. It's really dreary. They're the same boring people they were when, when they all went in there, when we were all going, I'm sorry. Some girl who's claimed to fame is that she was engaged, albeit very briefly, to Kirk Norcross, who, in case you don't know, was one half of the dreary uh, Lucy Mecklenburg. I think she went out with him or she goes, oh, who knows, uh, in The Only Way is Essex. And that's it. That's it. I mean, that, that's her claim to fame. She was engaged briefly to him. Terrible, really. Um, 84850, uk. Baby passport issue. Question, I think a lot of people will be asking... How many times has this happened? Yes, because babies need passports now, don't they? People should, should be told. 
And um, Malcolm says, touchy-feely presenters must include David Dickinson on The Real Deal and Ben Shepherd with the winners of Tipping Point. I can't believe that programme's still on there. Mind you, I think it's stretching him intellectually. It's 5.30. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Tuesday the 20th. I'm trying to work out when everybody gets paid. If you get paid this month, it's been dragging on, hasn't it? And all the bills have started arriving, and I know what you're doing. You're putting them to one side, going, I'll pay that one first, that'll be second. Reminds me of the story in the Reader's Digest some years ago of uh, a lady, a little old lady, who'd had so many bills that she was really getting to the end of her tether, like many of you. She was getting to the end of the month, and it was ridiculous. These bills are mounting up. So she, she wrote a letter to one of the companies. She said, Dear Sir, every month I have a system. I have a hat... And I put all my bills in it, and I take one out, and I pay it. And if you insist on persecuting me next month, your bill's not going in the hat. Kind of did the trick, which worked. Here's the, uh, the word Judas, which we used at the beginning of the programme. The left's rage as a benefit activist joins the other side. This is Sue Marsh, a darling of the left who's railed against Ian Duncan Smith's reforms for the last five years. She claimed to be too sick to work. In fact... Writing from her website, uh, she was she was so ill, she couldn't do anything at all. Um, you know, she was in so much pain, she couldn't work. And uh, now she's managed to find a job, which pays £75,000. She previously claimed that in Maximus, the Department for Work and Pensions, had sought out the worst provider they could find to assess claimants of disability. Mr Duncan Smith, the Work and Pensions Secretary, welcomed Mrs Marsh's decision... He said, I'd be the first to congratulate anybody who gets a job. But she's been so ill, she's actually claimed that, you know, she, she was too ill to even sit up. Couldn't do anything at all. Somebody branded her a sellout, saying, what happened to, I'm in so much pain I can't work. I can't wait to see how much of a hypocrite you turn out to be. You've just marked yourself for a life of hate. Another activist wrote... You've proudly displayed photos of yourself in bed and hospital-bound, yet it seems an offer of a reported £75,000 per annum, plus benefits, has healed you. You've gone straight from the support group to full-time employment. You truly are a modern-day miracle. Oh, there's so many of these people. How many people do we know who've thrown away their crutches and they've managed to walk? And you've said, my goodness me, that is a miracle of the modern age, ladies and gentlemen. We've seen people turn up in court claiming to be brain damaged. And then magically they get outside and are laughing and joking with their family because it's a modern day miracle. People who've turned up, there was a woman only a short while ago, too sick to get out of bed. But she turned up in court on a little mobility scooter and it turned out she didn't need a mobility scooter. She was perfectly able to walk. She was a criminal. She was a crook. She was bent as the proverbial nine bob note. She was hoping to cheat the system, but eventually they all get found out. But uh, this particular woman, Sue Marsh, I mean, what a miracle, ladies and gentlemen. Too sick to work and then £75,000 drops out of the sky and amazingly she rises from her bed like Lazarus. How happy we all are. Talking of happy, I'm fairly happy for, um, for Amanda Holden. She's managed to get eyebrows. Now, you know, we talked about eyebrows, and it's very popular eyebrows on this programme. And uh, she's been to uh, a place uh, in London, uh, in Farringdon, where they sort of thread eyebrows. It's a seven-strip, seven-step process. And uh, it sounds quite nice, actually. And so what they do is they sort of add liner and powder to make the brows bolder and fill in the gaps. Because there's something about eyebrows. If you're very pale... 
you know, for example, if you're albino, I know that's taking it to the, to the extreme, you won't have any eyebrows. They're so pale, you can hardly see them at all. So they, they bring out things. Unfortunately, it's mainly for women. But this new one that I found the other day in boots, I think men could use it exactly the same, and nobody would spot the difference. Nobody would know. Nobody would know that you were using little filaments to put on. It's only a temporary thing. It just lasts all day. And then you can you can wash them off and apply it again. But I think in each little bottle, there's something like 120 applications. So that's, that's three months, isn't it? That's good. Don't mind that. You're going to love this new car if there are cyclists listening at the moment. Hello. We have to talk to cyclists like that because still in London, there's still a danger to themselves, I'm afraid. Still, I see people with no lights. Still, I see people riding on the pavement. I don't know what we do about cyclists on the pavement. I generally shout obscenities, I'm afraid. I'm a little bit rude in that department. But uh, we get it in London and I generally say something. It's like spitting, isn't it? You still see people spitting. Disgusting low-rent people. It's absolutely awful. But uh, now... There is a a Jaguar car, and it sounds quite nice, actually, and it's a bit of groundbreaking equipment that they built into a Jaguar. You're going somewhere, or you're doing an impression of a teapot? Oh, right. Oh, right. How nice. Is that porridge or Chinese? I can't believe you're eating Chinese at this time of the morning. It's called Bike Sense Safety, and they're going to put it into Range Rovers, Jaguars and Land Rovers, and it, it produces a series of alerts to tell drivers if a cyclist is getting too close. I tend to find a quick arm out the window. You know, it tends to work straight away. It's a bit like having the beep beeps on your car. I've got beep beeps on my car. In fact, they're all the way round it. And so I can park the car. I mean, in fact, I could probably technically do it blind. Probably. I'm not totally convinced by that. I'm just saying that, actually. Second thoughts, maybe I can't. And so I like the idea that, you know, bits can vibrate... A pedestrian stepping in front of the car will cause the accelerator pedal to vibrate. Unfortunately, it doesn't tell you it'll not, not knock them down. Oh, I can't believe you're sitting there eating duck in black bean sauce at this time of the month. This is absolutely outrageous. Most people, I mean, you know, most people at this time would be having fruit and fibre, wouldn't they? Or porridge or something like that. But there's something quite wicked about eating Chinese that you're not supposed to be eating. We used to, when we used to finish years ago, we would have... Um, we used to, I used to buy spare ribs on the way into the studio. We'd eat spare ribs first thing. That was delicious. You could eat two boxes of spare ribs. <laughs> anyway, going back to this thing, I wonder how much it costs. I wonder if you can sort of, you know, have it adapted to others. Apparently, you can either have a ringing bell or the seat will nudge you. Not sure about the seat nudging anyone. I don't like the, well, the seat comes to life. That sounds a bit freaky, doesn't it? But uh, either way, I mean, if you can't see cyclists, and I suppose we've all got blind spots on our cars, you shouldn't really be on the road. The car I've got at the moment has got loads of blind spots. Seriously, you have to turn round. And, of course, it's not easy to turn round in a car. Here's the human cannonball. This is uh, Matthew Cranch. Uh, 24. He was a thrill seeker. And uh, he'd only been a human cannonball for a week. And what it is inside this uh, enormous thing is a giant spring and they have the sort of the explosion thing and it literally pushes them up into the air and they go out with a helmet on and then they crash into a net. And people go, yeah, it's lovely. And it, it's generally very sort of popular at country shows and stuff like that. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Matthew Cranch had become a stuntman only a week before the tragedy. And um, his final moments were captured on video and played at the inquest the other day with the safety net suddenly falling to the ground as he left the mouth of the cannon. So in other words, they, they put the safety net and it's built there. As he literally came out of the cannon, the net collapsed. So there was no way he was going to be landing on anything at all. Two health and safety experts told the hearing that a fault in the machinery holding the netting in place meant it could be loose despite clicking into position. 
and the vibration was enough to shake it loose, meaning that Mr Ranch was doomed to fall 40 feet to the ground. Paramedics and an air ambulance crew could do nothing to save him. And uh, it's dreadful. So it was it was all, you know, as he was going down, he curled himself into a ball. To be honest with you, I mean, he was, it was just doomed. He was just absolutely doomed. Great shame, really. I mean, he'd uh, they've actually staged this thing some 900 times. So it's not as if the equipment was faulty. It's just that when the net fell down, that sealed his uh, fate. He was unaware that there was a danger of the latch having a false closed position. So there's no there's no prosecution. They just say it was uh, it was an awful, awful accident. So 25 foot up in the air, the net collapses, and uh, 40 feet up in the air. He know he must have known at some point that there was nothing he was going to do. He was just going to hit the ground very very badly. Almost as bad as those pictures we showed you the other day in the paper, in. Uh, in a city in Iran, I think, where the uh, the Sharia law forbids gay people. Stephen Fry and his boyfriend would have been executed by now. They, they certainly wouldn't have survived. One of the uh, columnists pointed out over the weekend that if Stephen Fry and his uh, partner, Elliot, I think it's Elliot, had, um, had ever gone in any of the newspapers, they'd have been beheaded, publicly beheaded, for being gay. Now they just push them off buildings. I mean, really... Uh, they're quite a sick society. You sort of worry about that. You're going to be shivering till the weekend because it's about minus four degrees this morning. Uh, they've said tomorrow the high will be three degrees, down to minus four. Uh, Thursday, cold, wintry showers. I don't think this is down south. I know in Greater Manchester, uh, near the village of Delft, which sounds lovely, it's just a picture of white. Just a picture of whiteness. It's absolutely gorgeous. But they say on higher ground, you could get up to three inches. At Inverness Airport, a plane skidded off the runway after landing. Nobody was injured. Isn't it funny how we have that? And yet I flew out into the Arctic Circle years ago when we went to uh, Kittala. And we flew out into this airport and there was snow everywhere. And we landed on a runway. I mean, admittedly, we skidded a little bit. But they do it all the time. We get a little bit over here. The whole country goes to pieces. You know, the AA were called to 14,000 breakdowns before 5pm yesterday. 14,000 breakdowns. That's because people do not drive properly in freezing conditions. They drive badly. The funny thing was, when we were leaving Kittler Airport, this huge machine pulled up alongside of us on the runway and sprayed the entire plane with de-icer. He, had, he literally had a fireman's hose at the top and he sprayed the entire plane with de-icer. And it was that reason we were able to take off. But Because you know, once you're actually up in the air, it's fine. It's, it's taking off from a runway, which was like a sheet of ice. And you could feel it. I remember coming to Liverpool Airport some years ago in the, in the snow. And as we hit the, uh, the tarmac, we started veering off to the side. And I thought, oh, my God. You know, they sort of brace yourself, Stephen. Brace yourself for a crash. Who's the uh, person on the television? As we've got touchy-feely presenters. So you've got David Dickinson on The Real Deal uh, and Ben Shepherd. I haven't seen him on Tipping Point, Malcolm. So, well, I've seen him, but I don't, I'm not aware of him touching people. He's quite clearly in love with himself, though, isn't he? That's the, that's the embarrassing thing. But there's another one who does the antiques programme. Might be... I can't remember what his name is. Paul Martin. Paul Martin. Martin Paul. Something like that. He's constantly putting his arms around people. I mean, literally, at times, I'm shouting at the television, leave the contestants alone. They don't like being touched. Horrible. He, he's a little bit uh, little bit frightening. Yes, that one there. Is that Paul Martin? He does a lot of touching of people. He does a lot of arms round them and things like that. Oh, here we go. You know, it's up for auction now. And I'm thinking, ooh, scary. 
Noel Edmonds deal or no deal? Does he do the same? Is he touchy-feely? You see, I don't mind Noel Edmonds touchy-feely. I think that's okay, actually. It looks okay when he does it. We do like Noel Edmonds. I like him a lot, actually. Nice person. So if you can think of any other touchy-feely presenters, do, do please let me know. And if you're still shopping in Tesco's, or is it, has it gone off the boil? Uh, Lynn says, well, I never. The Sun newspaper giving up page three girls. So now, no young women pontificating on world affairs whilst bearing their bosoms. Yes, they always put that. They go, you know, uh, Cheyenne comes from Barnsley. She's a big fan of Nick Clegg. You know, <laughs> sorry? News in briefs. Is that they always put a little thing and you think, she doesn't look as though she's got the intelligence to actually realise who Nick Clegg is. I know I'm late. 14 minutes to six. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nine minutes to six is the time. It's Tuesday, the 20th of January. Poundland are apparently moving into DIY. I'm reliably informed at the moment... Uh, they're trying to woo Middle England by targeting the DIY market with a range of tools, screws, packs of nails and other essentials for a pound each. Yes, but what quality are they? There's no point in having a hammer if the head falls off the first time you use it, is it? And as I'm assuming it's going to be a pound, apparently they've already got um, baking equipment by Jane Asher. They're keen to fill the gap in the market for high street hardware. Oh, dear. You remember Granville? And everybody else, you know, those corner shops where you could go in there and they would sell you. I remember buying nails by the pound. They had some scales and they would put nails on there if you were doing sort of a roof or something like that. And you could buy. Now it's all packs, isn't it? We went all decimalisationified, and they came out with little packs of things. And you can go into Poundland at the moment and you can buy cup hooks and all sorts of strange things. I mean, to be honest with you, the majority, I would think 90% of their stuff must come from China. So I don't know what the quality is. I wouldn't like to say, and I'm assuming if you're a sort of upmarket builder, you're not going to be buying your stuff in Poundland, are you? Or are you? Because there's nowhere else on the high street. But there is. We've got no end of places where you can buy nails. We've got about three DIY stores around us where you can go in and buy this stuff. But are people going to be tempted by the price? They might be. They might be. I went in to buy bulbs once. They had light bulbs on offer at a penny each. I bought a hundred. And when I got to the checkout, the woman said, I don't think you're allowed to buy that many. The other one said, well, it doesn't really matter, does it? So she put them through. I was giving them away to people left, right, and said, these long-life bulbs, which aren't particularly nice to look at. Uh, I saw a builder's van, says Kevin the Milkman, parked in the disabled bay at McDonald's in Harlow on Sunday. Two perfectly fit builders carry their burgers out and get into the van. It was sign written all over, so I know which builders not to use. Shame I don't have a camera phone. Yes, you see, that, that, would, be a, that would be a good picture to print. Local paper would like that. You know, local builders using, uh, using a disabled bay. I and mean, that's just shameful, isn't it? But there again, you know, does it really make any difference? Well, the answer is, does to me. Gets me really, really angry. Uh, police are told now, don't uh, let shoplifters off. Because up until now, people get caught shoplifting. And it's everybody from children through to old age pensioners. Uh, And some people are just professional shoplifters and they go out there. The average value of each theft rose to about £241 last year. And some police forces now use this restorative justice where the shoplifters who admit the guilt and apologise can escape prosecution. You see, I think they should all be prosecuted because it just doesn't put people off. You know, I'm really sorry about that. And they'll do it again. It's like people buying petrol and driving off. You know, I'd make sure that sort of petrol... I mean, I don't know how, what you could do. I always work out, and I always think to myself that if somebody wants to pinch something, they're going to pinch it. 
They're going to pinch it. It's as simple as that. And in fact, the more difficult you make it, the more of a challenge they look. That's why we've got these police programmes on the telly, where we sit there and you watch the audacity of people who've nicked a car, or they've stolen something, or they've driven off from a petrol station, and... Uh, and they then sort of chase them for ages and ages and ages. And it becomes like a game. And then they go at the end, the person was given 20 hours community work. And I think, no, 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 put them in prison. Put them in prison. Ridiculous. They've got a woman in prison today. She stole, I'll tell you her about her a little bit later on. She stole some money from her son who got uh, some compensation from 7-7. And she stole it. They've sent her to prison for two years. Which, to be honest with you, I think is absolutely fantastic. Because too often I read in the newspapers about people who who haven't been sent to prison and they just don't care. Nick Ferrari this morning is going to be talking about the 4,000 foreign nationals who've served prison sentences who are still here. Who are still here. You know, he's, he's going to be finding out exactly why it is that we don't get rid of these people straight away. As far as I'm concerned, you come out of prison, the day you're released, you're driven to the airport, you're shoved on a plane and we get rid of you. Don't want you back here ever again. But some of them just keep popping backwards in like they're career criminals. Anyway, the television awards, uh, the reason that nobody from TOWIE should be going or from Made in Chelsea is because they've not been nominated. So if you've not been nominated, there's no point in going because, to be honest with you, they're a bit low rent. The people from The Only Way is Essex, you know, if you wanted to see the boots makeup counter with legs on it, that would be it. And we don't really want to watch that at all. But uh, some of them have tried to beg, blag or borrow tickets. So they've aligned themselves to people who are the sponsors so that they can get into the boxes and stuff like that. To be honest with you, they shouldn't be allowed in. And I'm reliably informed, it's rubbish, of course, that uh, the security have a clipboard with photos of the offending people who they don't want in. It's funny, you can't sort of one year want them in, then the next year not want them in. I think it's in an effort to try and get uh, an audience for this this yearly ritual of abuse of people on the television who you vote for. You know it's going to be Ant and Deck. You know that there's going to be something meaningful. You know that they're going to fly somebody in from abroad so the Big Bang Theory might benefit from it. It could be all sorts of, of things. And the reason is that apparently the people who watch television want to see their heroes in the flesh. But in fact, yesterday, was it yesterday? Yes, yesterday, when we were doing the free podcast, we had loads of stories about The Only Way is Essex, and I can only assume they're bringing back this dreary thing. Although, having watched and having read what all the critics have said today about Made in Chelsea, uh, sorry, not the Made in Chelsea, the Made in Cheshire housewives, the housewife, the real housewives of Cheshire, you can only imagine what a low-rent place Cheshire must be to live in, with all these chabs up there and their ghastly lives. I mean, they really are such low-rent people. They've got nothing in common with everybody who lives in, in Cheshire or with any of the people around the world who make these other programmes. You know, the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, the Real Housewives of New York. They are rich people. Our lot are just ghastly. I mean, the woman who laughingly calls herself an interior designer. I mean, dear Lord above. You've only got to look at this thing to realise how out of date she is. One of them's married to a footballer. In fact, actually, quite a few of them are married to footballers. Um... They're, all they seem to do is spend their lives having their hair done and having inane, vacuous conversations. I mean, I can't even say it's riveting. I can't even say that it's, it's a programme that's ever going to get an audience because even the TV critics don't like it. The TV critics say these are the most awful people. They're so fake. I mean, they really are dreadfully fake. Uh, ITV2's obsession with Keith Lemon continues. He's got a new show, The Keith Lemon Sketch Show, which will be Keith Lemon being as unfunny as he was before. And uh, another one here says, I I often find that there's too much month left at the end of the money. 
It's a good line. I always like that one, actually. Very good. Dermot O'Dreary is always hugging contestants and their family members on The X Factor, says Adam. Yes, uh, he's never going to get any awards, is he, really? I mean, as television presenters go, I think it's highly unlikely, highly unlikely, that they're going to offer him anything. Uh, Ofcom have said uh, somebody inadvertently used the F word on The Jeremy Kyle Show. And Ofcom have said it's okay. I think because it was in context. It wasn't exactly just quite liberally thrown in there. It was actually in context. So they, they've allowed that one to go through, which is, um, I'm sort of okay with it. I don't know what the watershed is, though. I'll quite clearly, it must be a bit earlier than I imagined. A little bit earlier. So Katie Redford fired from Coronation Street, the girl who we highlighted on this programme yesterday. The interesting story was that she's um, she's 26 she told them, we think, that she was 19 and she's playing a 14-year-old. So she's, uh, she had to go because, quite clearly, she might age quite, quite badly and then all of a sudden you're going to see a 14-year-old morph into a 35-year-old woman and somebody's going to say, how are we going to write that one out? And the answer is, we will never, ever know. And uh, I do like the James Blunt story with Chris Bryant. I'm sure that there is a story with Chris Bryant, but I'm blowed if I can remember it. Somebody said... Is there a story about him posing on a website? Is there something like that? I don't know. I'm sure that you can you can find out and let me know on LBC. Front page of all the papers today. The soap star Anne Kirkbride has died at the very young age of only 60. Not a well person. And they're going to have to write her out. The cast and crew and all the people who worked with her for over 40 years. And some cast members have been there for over 40 years. Are absolutely gutted. Uh, brace yourselves, the Nolans, the musical, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, the really good news that the uh, the man whose wife died and her voice was on his uh, recording machine, when he got a new company to come in, it vanished. Anyway, they've managed to find it again. Isn't that the miracle of all miracles? Which is fantastic. Uh, retro toys are go. And Katie Price will never wear, wear a onesie again. It's LBC. I'm Steve Allen. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Tuesday, the 20th of January. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast show on LBC. The soap star Anne Kirkbride has died at the age of 60. As Deirdre Barlow, she entranced a nation. She's had some lovely tributes. She really has. She be- you often feel... You know, that if there is an afterlife and she's sitting on a cloud, she'll be well pleased with the coverage. Chuka Amuna flounces out of a TV interview, but if you watch it on YouTube, you might be thinking, well, I'd be doing exactly the same. James Blunt goes to town on Labour's Chris Bryant. Chris Bryant, who's very middle class, has started attacking James Blunt for being upper class and for being, you know, in the pop charts and things like Downton Abbey. Doesn't like it at all, I'm afraid. And the human cannibal who's died as the safety net collapses. To be honest, I've never actually been out to one of these places where they've had a human cannibal, but I've seen them on the television. I've never, never fancied the idea at all. Oh, and brace yourself, the Nolans, the musical, based on Anne Nolan's book, which was uh, not complimentary about, uh, about quite a number of people, including her father, who abused her from an early age and then wanted to run away with her and get married. Uh, there's also the story about shoplifting. It's on the increase. People shoplift to order now. There was somebody exposed on the television about uh, six months ago. They worked in a market and uh, somebody would go in there and say, I've seen a nice dress in Marks and Spencers I like or wherever it happened to be. And the person would say, I'll have it for you for next week. And they would literally ask one of their uh, their drug dealers 
uh, to go out there and they would they would shoplift it and then they would get money for it. It's so easy to shoplift now, you know, because you've got shelves, people just wander around, they pick stuff up. I've seen school children doing it in Twickenham. When we used to have Woolworths, there was one of the schools there and I can remember mentioning it on air and the, uh, the headmistress wrote to me saying, you're maligning the, the school pupils. I thought, well, I watched them thieving. You know, it's a shame these, these uh, teachers and head teachers don't open their eyes a little bit more. Because this particular school, they were thieving on a regular basis. I remember seeing the store detectives chasing them out of Woolworths when we had a Woolworths. Small wonder it went under. This, you know, this one school could have been a mini crime wave all by itself. Uh, boost for the Tudors. The knickknacks are going to be on sale very shortly. You're going to... You love the Tudors. I don't know why we love it. The outfits were ghastly for men. Absolutely ghastly. And uh, Katie Price will never wear a onesie ever again because that's what her husband, Kieran, was wearing when he was cheating on her with one of her best friends. Hilarious, isn't it, really? You, can't, you can never understand the, uh, the outrage that comes from poor old Katie Price. Uh, she can't hang on to her men at all. Although she does say in the paper today she has revealed on the Celebrity Big Brother, that she's hiding a shocking secret sex tape. She's uh, told housemates she has film of Kieran Haler romping with her best pal. Well, I don't know why that's so exciting, Katie. He's all over the internet romping with another woman. You know, in a, in a, in a graphic video. So why on earth you'd be so surprised? I mean, that's the best you can get. Uh, also... She said, uh, the last time I did... She said, I always do fancy dress parties at my house, but I'll never do a onesie again. The last time I did, Kieran and my best mate uh, were in the stables. It's all on camera. So ple- uh, people say Kate has kept the tape. I know. Bless her heart. She's so sweet, isn't she? More complaints against Perez Hilton, surprisingly. Ofcom have had 1,529 complaints about him. Uh, 145 complaints about Katie Hopkins' behaviour towards Perez. Many viewers feel she's been bullying him. Oh, grow up, honestly. It really, it's a programme. It's a television programme. They're all on there for money, OK? And uh, on Sunday's show, fans even heard her threaten to poison his drinks. It's a joke, OK? This must be some incredibly sad people out there. Apparently, other controversies that uh, viewers have contacted Ofcom over included Alexandra Neal's use of homophobic language towards Perez, who's gay... And that's about it. The other two people, they've kicked out, haven't they? Luckily, Alexandra O'Neill just walked out and did everybody a favour. Callum Best, uh, as far as I'm concerned, should disappear completely. What a bore. Uh, Alicia Duval, I mean, she really is one of the thickest people you've ever seen on the television. How she's ever made it into an adult, I've got no idea. Kavanagh is the most boring person ever. Michelle Visage, way down my list, I'm afraid. Katie Price, bit of a fraud. Katie Hopkins, definitely a fraud. Definitely, because she's not the nasty person. Otherwise, we'd see some real sparks flying. But we haven't. We haven't seen any sparks flying. We've just seen, you know, really dreary stuff. And who's gearing up for top gear? Apparently, Hollywood A-listers, Will Smith and Kiefer Sutherland. I should imagine they'd have no trouble finding anybody, uh, any petrol head over in America who likes cars. They'd love top gear. I'm a big fan. Big, big fan. Uh, David uh, Walliams. Uh, was out wearing a kilt the other day, apparently, in, um, was it Aldi? Aldi? You can buy a kilt. They're selling kilts, which is really funny. Oh, three cheers for five. There's only three of them. This is the, uh, they're actually going out on tour again. It's hilarious, isn't it? They're called five. They've done a take that. Uh, Richie Neville, who was never a lead singer, very average. Uh, Abs Love. This is the one who can't speak properly. He's sort of morphed into some Jamaican. And Scott Robinson. 
And so here they all are out on tour. Why? I've got no idea. They were rubbish first time round. They're going to be even more rubbish second time round. Daily Star, Corrie Legend, Anne is dead at 60. Certainly never thought I'd be sitting here saying that this morning. Uh, the Daily Express have uh, shock as street legend Anne dies at 60. It is a shock. It's way too young. Way, way too young. It really is. Uh, the Sun have said no more page three. There's a lot of sad people out there at the moment going, what are we going to do? You know, without page three. And the answer is they'll just have to find something else to put on the page. Perhaps they'll just leave it blank. Make it more interesting. Gas bills cut at last, tell you uh, on the express, but they should be even lower. And a simple 20-minute quiz could be the key to beating Alzheimer's. Remember the other day we had... They've always got some medical thing on there, which always works for me, because I, I do like a good medical story. The older I get, the more medical I become and the more interesting I become. Uh, but this is a quiz which helps you cut your risk... You know, things like how many sugar-based snacks or drinks, chocolate bars, cakes, sweets, fizzy drinks, fruit juices, do you eat every day? Well, to be honest with you, I can't remember. I bought the other day. It's probably not going to be very good for me being a, being a diabetic. It's um, farm-pressed, and I know the farm, apple juice with beetroot juice in it. Apple and beetroot. They do an apple and strawberry and two, and two apple juices. But I, I bought some apple and beetroot because I thought it sounded quite healthy. Beetroot juice, I know, is very good for me. And then the other thing is, uh, to stop you getting Alzheimer's, they say, how often do you read, study or attend classes, play games or do the crossword or Sudoku? Come on, how many of you do... Don't take your hands off the wheel if you're driving. How many coffees do you have a day? A double espresso counts as two. How many coffees a day? You see, my coffees triple. So I would have between one and four a day. So that's, bit, that's probably not very good at all, actually. How many times do you eat dark green vegetables like broccoli, cabbage, cauliflower, sprouts. <laughs> well, it, well, for me, uh, five to seven a week, easily. Love stuff like that. Perhaps I'm not doing too badly. Do you take a fish oil supplement? No, I don't. I don't take any supplements. I really don't. Uh, other stories. Uh, the front of the mail this morning. The 89-year-old, given just weeks to live, begs for food on camera, pleading, I'm starving. This is the humiliation for Edna Slan. And uh, a ten-week stay at Grantley Court left her bruised, malnourished and with an infection that doctors say will kill her in weeks. Unbelievable. Uh, a picture of uh, Deirdre. Deirdre Barlow marrying Ken Barlow in Coronation Street. He's going to be he's going to be bereft, isn't he? And a walk with friends is apparently the path to good health. I've told you before that a good walk, every, but a brisk walk. A brisk walk, not just a slow amble. Although, to be brutally honest, if you're over the age of, say, 65 or 70, anything would do. Just sort of getting out there or lifting your leg up. I sometimes do it in bed. Do you do that in bed? You sort of lie there. And I bought some new flannelette sheets the other day, and they're absolutely fantastic. I've suddenly realised I'm never going back to cotton sheets. I'm only going to use flannelette because they're warm, they're cosy, a little bit more expensive. And, uh, and I practice lifting my legs off the bed. No, just me again. It's, uh, I'll give you a quick time check. And then we come back to some of the other stories on the front of the, uh, the papers, including the boy of five who failed to turn up to a friend's party who gets an invoice from the angry parents. To be honest with you, I think he should pay it. I think he should pay it. You shouldn't have kids cancelling parties, should you? Left, right and centre, it's just ridiculous. Quarter past six. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, 6.20 is the time. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast on, uh, on LBC. It's very hot today, I think it's going to be. I think today is going to be a hot day. No, it's not. It's going to be freezing cold. So I'm delighted that, uh, that Anne gets all the coverage in the newspaper. She gave 
She gave more than three quarters of her life to Coronation Street. The least they can do is, is put her down and, you know, as one of its stalwarts. She did 40-plus years on it. Somebody said, how are they going to write her out? And the answer is, um, she had been out for quite some time. Uh, the reason being that back in September, uh, she'd had uh, a cancer scare. Then we think the tumour came along afterwards. So they'd given her a month off. Then I think they increased it uh, to about three months. So I think that's where we were at the moment. So I think they've, they've left it fairly open so what happens guy i've got no idea you would have to ask uh, them up at coronation street and the uh, and the writers there uh will will probably have have already done it because they're six weeks backwards aren't they so everything you're seeing now was six weeks ago i think uh, adam lambert was on tv on new year's eve in queen still available on catch-up highly recommended adam lambert is excellent says sue in whetstone this is the man who's uh, taken over from freddie mercury and the group love him as well actually uh 84850 uh zara says there's nothing colder than finally arriving at the office or wherever and lo and behold that free trial on uh, on one of these websites has suddenly signed you up and stolen your money. I don't see. I don't know. I don't put my contact details into the internet at all. The only place it's on is Amazon. That's the, that's literally the only place. Uh, eight for eight five zero. Oh, unless Ben Shepherd is Stretch Armstrong, says Michael. He can't be touchy feely on tipping point. He's twenty feet away from the contestants. Well, it's not twenty feet really. I've seen the program. I've seen the machine. Definitely not. Uh, can't believe how awful Paris Hilton has been in Big Brother. He should have been thrown out, says Lynn. He said, well, I quite liked it. I, am, I understand, you know, what the word showing off is. And I think he's showing off. But there again, I think they're all showing off on the programme. So I don't really have a, have a problem with that. I was all Tesco'd out, says Anne. We've got five Tesco's within a two-mile radius. Grand choice. But uh, <laughs> I know. I mean, to be honest with you, we have every supermarket around our way. We're actually very lucky. Very lucky indeed. Uh, Tesco's home in Staines is to close. Oh, I knew I was going to tell you something. Guess what's just closed in Twickenham? And I don't know uh, whether or not it's it's going across whole capital. Our Wimpy has just closed. We, I mean, our Wimpy bar only opened a short while ago. It's going to be called something called Steers. And they say it's flame-grilled burgers. Which would be quite interesting, because that's what I thought they were offering over the road at Burger King. Although I've never actually seen any flames there, so I'm assuming the burgers come in like... We've had this argument before in this discussion on do they actually cook the burgers at Burger King, or do they come in cooked, and they just heat them up in the microwave? Because I've never seen any flames emanating from anywhere in Burger King at all. Um, another one here from uh, from uh, Lee. Uh, Apparently, he says, uh, most motorists where I live drive a quarter of a mile to the supermarket to buy a packet of cigarettes. Have you seen the price? I'm so glad I don't smoke now. I've seen the price of cigarettes. I find it quite frightening, actually. And uh, Jackie says, I'm not working in the hospital unless 12 goes at, uh, at Venflons to get one in. And it's already packed up since last night. Back to theatre today after being in the theatre yesterday. Are we doing a stage show as well now? There's no end to the excitement. <laughs> no end to the excitement in hospital. Uh, Little are selling kilts. I like the idea of uh, them... I don't know why. Why are we selling kilts? <laughs> they do sell the oddest things, don't they, really? Uh, Chris Bryant has been on all sorts of things, Steve. All sorts of things. Only you don't have to Google him to realise. This is the man who uh, criticised Mr Blunt for, for going to a, a public school. And yet, of course, Chris Bryant went to a, went to a public school as well. Uh, other pages of the papers. The Mirror this morning. Corrie Legend and Dead at 60. Heartbreakers, much-loved street star, loses cancer battle. I think it was fairly quick. 
I think it was fairly quick. Uh, she had been in a hospice, and uh, then, I mean, somebody said she she battled it with courage and dignity. Absolutely, because none of you knew about it. We knew that she'd not been well before, uh, but we didn't know anything in the last few days. I don't know how they break it to somebody. Well, I do know how they break it to somebody, but uh, how they say to somebody when they go into hospital to say, listen, she's not, she's not going to make it. And it was only a very short illness. She'd, uh, she'd been diagnosed with cancer back in September, uh, and this one, so... I don't know, they're just going to have to pull themselves together at Coronation Street. When somebody has been so much of a part of it for such a long time, over 40 years, uh, Kieran Roberts said there are no words to describe the sense of grief we feel. We now only too acutely know how much people Anne meant to millions and millions. And she did. I think people liked her. I think people liked her. I think they they did, actually. I mean, she had a a very heavy schedule for her character last year. She had taken a hiatus back in, I think it was 93. She was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, but returned to the show less than a year later after being cured. And uh, her husband, David, said last night she'd died peacefully. So that's all you can hope for. Uh, More on the blunt story in the paper. That one's going to run and run and run and run. Uh, as he, uh, as Mr Bryant lays into poor old Mr... Well, he lays into everybody, actually. Eddie Redmayne, loads of other people, which is odd, because he went to... Uh, Mr Bryant went to a very expensive school, Cheltenham, I think it's about £33,000. I think that's what it was. Oh, look, the two girls we featured on our, um, our gentle chide at Celebrities the other day. This is Jennifer Metcalf and Gemma Myrna. Jogging along a beach, luckily with a photographer handy. How handy for them. And here they were, they were in the uh, the Persian Gulf. It's obviously the place to... Oh, they're in Dubai. I really must remember never, ever to go to Dubai. It's obviously completely low rent. Uh, the blunt has blasted Labour's Bryant. I think Mr Bryant just wants some attention. Perhaps he's lonely or something, I don't know. But uh, uh, James has written a letter back to him. Hilarious, absolutely hilarious. Because Chris Bryant... Claimed posh performers blocked the rise of talent from humble backgrounds. The man's a complete idiot, of course. He can't help it. Not his fault. He, he would have thought, actually, a £33,000 education would have meant... I mean, you know, you can't move for working-class entertainers on the television. Don't forget, you can listen to LBC whenever and wherever you like. If you go to lbc.co.uk, you can download the LBC app. Or there's TuneIn Radio 2. And if you missed any of today's show... There's also our podcast service. I'll have a free podcast for you up in around about uh, 20 minutes' time where we'll be poking fun and sticks and everything else at, uh, at Zedless Celebrity.